Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners. I'm going to admit this is actually my third take just for this intro. And I wish I had a better reason, but uh, it's not a great reason. I just said a few things in the last one. I thought that was ridiculous. That made no sense. But now the third and final attempt at this episode intro is going to be great. So here's the deal. You're about to listen in on a conversation that I just had with a good friend, Jeff Kaler, who is a magician. If you were at our Best You Ever Blueprint live experience last year, you were in awe by what Jeff did, and he's going to be there again this year. So make sure to reserve your seat. The seats are filling up really fast. It sells out every year, November 17, 18, 19, in sunny San Diego, and Jeff will be there. And in this conversation, I hope you enjoyed. I had a lot of fun. Jeff talked about not only how he got into magic as a kid, but what it's like now living at the magic estate. He co-founded what's called the magic estate where he lives in this compound with other magicians and artists and musicians, hypnotists, a dolphin trainer. And you'll hear him talk about what that's like. They recently filmed an eight-part docu-series on this magic estate. So he's been around the world. He's been in over 20 countries. And Jeff not only does really cool magic, but what makes him different is he teaches us, and you'll hear this in our conversation, about creating magical moments for others and how important that is in our lives. So I hope you enjoy this. I hope you have fun. Again, we're uh, sneaking up on the Best Year Ever Blueprint event. So if you're planning on coming, make sure you grab your seat, bestyeareverlive.com. Bring a friend, bring a whole team. Most importantly, enjoy this conversation right now with Jeff Kaler. Have fun, everybody. Here we go. Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners. John Berghoff here. This is an episode that I know about three to 400 of you are going to be especially interested in, either because you met Jeff Kaler, who is a world-renowned magician. I was about to say musician. That might be true also. Jeff, do you play any musical instruments? I do. I play piano. I couldn't about a year ago, and now I can. I can explain that later, though. All right. We might have to ask about that. Well, what I want to say, Jeff, is uh, first of all, thank you for being here, and thank you for delivering not only incredible magic at our Best Year Ever Blueprint event last year. You're going to be coming back this year. But you also brought with it a message about how we approach life. And I am so pumped for this community to get to hear from you today because you're on fire. Everything I hear and just now chatting with you, you've got so much going on. You've got a documentary series that is being filmed or they just finished filming at your magic estate. And we're going to ask all about that. And then uh, I think you've done magic in 20-some countries. You teach magicians. You have different courses that you've brought into corporations to students. Mm -hmm. And so there's a ton of wisdom that I know you could bring to us from your journeys. But before anything, I just want to say again, thank you. Because what you delivered at our Best Year Ever Blueprint live experience last year was amazing. And I can't wait to have you back this year. It's going to be awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you. So let's start with how did magic start for you? How did magic show up? Were you a kid? Were you older? Where did this all start? So I was in about elementary school and I got some books and things like that. But uh, so I was always really interested in it, but I kept it to myself. And then I had a teacher 
when I was in, uh, in high school and you could do anything for extra credit as long as you stood up in front of the class and presented it. So um, nice. for me, I, I was pretty shy at the time, but I needed extra credit. So I got up and I presented it. It went really well, helped my grade. And then I ended up going uh, to head another class. And this other teacher, Mr. Eastman, he found out about it and he loved magic. So every time I would walk by, he would be there and, uh, and he would pull me into class and have me get up and do it and do a trick or two. So, so that's how it all started. That's how it all started. Then I went to college and I went to college to play lacrosse, to play sports. And instead of uh, going out and drinking all the time, I just got a lot better at magic. So nice. uh, Yeah. So I, I actually don't drink and, and so instead, I just because I've always been a leader and things like that. So instead, I just started pursued magic, and uh, I didn't think it would turn into what it has today. That's really cool. You know, magic is one of those things. I feel like every kid at some point in their childhood gets really interested in magic. For me, I think my parents took me to see David Copperfield. Mm-hmm. In the Do you remember at, what age that was? I think it may have been in the late '80s. Yeah. And I remember he had a TV special where he walked through the Great Wall of China. <laughs> yeah, I saw him. He was actually another part of the reason I love magic. Copperfield and David Blaine. So yeah, uh, I saw Copperfield when I was in, uh, it was sixth grade. I went to see him in Boston and it was just, I remember like during intermission walking out of there and being like, what the, I just, yeah, everything was, I was so blown away. So yeah, that's really cool. So, <laughs> yeah. okay. So it started there for you and now you're training magicians you're delivering at events like ours at the Best Year Ever Blueprint event. You know what would be cool would be to hear, what are some of the lessons that you love to share through your magic? And what I mean by that question is last year at our Best Year Ever Blueprint event in San Diego, Mm -hmm. you not only entertained us and we had a great time, but you also taught us about the power of creating great moments for others in our lives. And for our listeners, regardless of the type of goals that we have, That's the kind of capability that we all could benefit from. And there might be lessons that go way beyond or outside of that. But what are some of your favorite lessons or experiences to teach or bring to people when you're out there doing your magic? Yeah, so I I created the Creating Magic Moments experience or the speech that you guys saw. Uh, You saw uh, about half of it at Mm -hmm. at Best Year Ever Live. But uh, when I created it, I just, I had to actually create it for Disney. I got in front of Disney doing magic and then a couple of their departments were doing these town hall meetings and they asked me to come speak. And I agreed to do an hour and a half speech without having done a speech before that. Wow. So I walked out of the room and I was like, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> and uh, so I had to think about like what I've learned throughout the years through magic and through creating uh, products for magicians and I ended up creating uh, this process that allows you to create magic moments to, to make people feel the same way you feel when you see a magic trick. And this can be applied to your relationships, to your customer experience. Um, but the, what I teach is a four-step process. Uh, the first part is called the magic moment mindset. And it's all about really being focused on the people in front of you more than you are on yourself. And I have a handful of techniques mm-hmm. within that. Uh, the next part is breaking people's patterns and routines because we all have patterns, we all have routines. And when you break people's patterns, it makes them feel alive and valued and it brings them back into that present moment uh, and it makes them remember you. Um, And then the next part is, I call it conspiracy theory. It's about uh, two things. It's about involving people, especially in surprises for other people because people love to be involved in things, especially secrets, especially if 
they do something really awesome for someone else. And conspiracy theory is also about becoming involved in other people, in their passions, their dreams, and things like that. All those things bond you closer together. And the, and the last part of it is called the kicker ending, and that's all about exceeding people's expectations. So in magic, uh, there's a principle known as the kicker ending, and it's the moment around the climax of an effect that heightens the experience of that final trick. Um, so there's ways to do that in your daily interactions that um, that do the same thing. And I teach people, again, how to apply these principles to their relationships, to their customer experience, or whatever their daily experience is. But we all have relationships in some way or another, so it relates to everyone. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So thanks for sharing that framework. And as you shared it, I was reflecting on pieces of that that I think you shared with us last year. And one of the things I want to comment on, because I know I've never told you this, you've probably seen it on social media after the event, but I noticed you know, your message created a ripple where after your message, people were so excited to, uh, I like the conspiracy theory thing, but to work together Mm -hmm. Go create fun moments, harmless, fun moments for others. Like there was the shrimp thing and we (laughs) talk about that. So that has some context, but I never told you this, but after the event, we had a suite in the hotel that was designed where there was a cabinet that somebody could fit inside of. Yeah. And as people showed up to this after party, it was part of our Quantum Leap Mastermind group. We invited them up to this suite. And as every person showed up, we did the same exact routine where somebody (laughs) hid in the cabinet and somebody else sitting on the couch said, hey, could you hand me something out of that cabinet? And we would jump out and scare the crap out of people. And what was but cool, then they get to become part of that process. And they're in on it. That's, that's right. Yes. Yeah. They get to become part of that experience. And that's that's so powerful. And again, it creates this conspiracy within the whole group. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. I love that. Yeah. And we got some great video of it. We got to find a way to post it somewhere along with this because you inspired that. And I just want to point out something that could be overlooked. And it's that when you came and just shared with us some great magic and some wisdom about this whole idea of creating magic moments, it was contagious. Everybody wanted to go do it. And I appreciated that. And that was actually perfect timing because right after I talked, everyone went out, you know, you had four or 500 people going out all around San Diego to, um, what do you have? You, everyone random, like went out and did something. Random acts of acts kindness. Of kindness. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of a perfect moment for that talk to happen. It was so perfect. It was so perfect. Hey, I want to ask you one question about that framework because I really appreciate those four steps. What can you share with us? I love the first point that you made because it sounds like that one has got to be so important that the others don't even work if we don't have the right mindset. That's exactly it. That's where, you know, there's a lot of ways to create magic moments, but they all start in that place of being others focused. And we're in a, a world where it's so easy to focus on yourself. And, um, but when you do focus on others, you get so much more back to you too. It's like the more selfless you are, the more selfish you actually are because it all comes back. Does that make sense? Mm, Yeah. Some people call that enlightened self-interest, I guess. There you go. Yeah. And that's not why you do things. You don't do things for other people to get things out of it. You do it to, you know, make that person's day and that comes back or it can go, you know, it creates that ripple away from you, you know, to other people and and creates a positive wave. Um, Yeah. You know, there's an interesting debate about that topic of, is there such thing as altruism or are we always doing it knowing it comes back? And I think in Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, I believe that's the book. I could be referencing the wrong book. He talks mm-hmm. about how Robert Cialdini, who is like the godfather of influence, and this other well-known psychologist had that debate. At the end of it, I think somebody decided it's an irrelevant debate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because if we're making the world a better place, 
if I know it's coming back to me or not, what's the difference, right? Yes. I'd um, rather do it that way, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, tell us about where are you right now as we speak? Are you at the Magic Estate? Is that right? I am. Yeah. So I, How when did this I got, yeah. So for me, I've always been part of teams growing up. I've always been part of, part of sports teams. I went to college to play lacrosse. So again, that was part of a team. And so when I got out of college, I wanted to create a team of people that work together, that push each other, that, you know, we're working on different things, but also kind of helping each other out. So uh, ended up moving down to Orlando, Florida, where one of my main mentors lives and uh, with one of my best friends, Anton James. And we just found this house and we got a bunch of like-minded people to move in together. And so right now we live in this big compound and we have, uh, we have a dolphin trainer living with us, three magicians, a speaker, a, an actress, uh, who else? We have, we have a, an entrepreneur and uh, a lawyer slash hypnotist. So we got quite the crew here. And again, we have open mic nights. Actually, tonight in about five hours, six hours, a bunch of people will start showing up at my house and we have a stage downstairs. And we just open our house up to whoever wants to come. Uh, I'll make a bunch of food for everyone coming. And people just come and connect, get up on the stage. They can sing, dance, whatever they want to do. We've had improv comedy here, tap dancers, uh, rappers, just literally everything comes through here. Um, and they're on random nights. It's not a set thing. I'll just be like, two days before, and I'll be like, hey, who wants to come? And then like 50 people, 60 people show up at the house. So, And, wow. uh, wow. and that's what the a company, FanFest.com, came to us recently because uh, they found out about all the stuff that's been going on here for eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to film a documentary series on the house. So that happened last month. They came and filmed an eight-part documentary series that will be coming out in the next handful of months. So. Wow. What kinds of things are we going to see? Like, what were they capturing? Is it you waking up? Is it you working on your tricks in solitude? <laughs> some of that. So there'll be some magic within it. There'll be some jamming. There'll be, uh, each episode is focused on a different person here. Cause we, not only are we magicians, we all have other pieces going on. So I actually play a little piano during my, my set and talk a bit about that. And, um, or, and then we had, we had a couple of events. We had an open mic night, and uh, one of our roommates does these gl- wine glass painting events. So all that's, all that's captured. And then a lot of people are interviewed here that come through our doors. So. Wow. I'm going to ask you more about this magic estate. Sure. We're going to talk more about this. But, <laughs> but actually, I want to divert it to the piano because you just took this up over the last year. Was there a reason or an inspiration for that? Yeah, I've always been interested in piano. And I, I honestly, I tried to take lessons as a kid, mm-hmm. but I'm a really visual learner. And the way they were teaching me, it just, it never clicked, but I always wanted to learn. And and then I went to New Zealand about four years ago. I got a group of friends of the five of us. We just all got together and like, all right, we're going to New Zealand. And we go there and we got a van for a month and we just drove around New Zealand. But when we got to the South Island, there's a town called Queenstown. That's one of my favorite places in the world now. And we get there. It's this little town nestled into these mountains on a beautiful lake. And we go down as the sun's setting on the lake. And uh, right in the harbor, there's this guy playing the piano. His name's Mateus the Piano Man. And we just sat down for a couple hours and listened to him. And then I bought his CDs. And then ever since, I bought all of his other CDs. And um, so we end up listening to his music the whole rest of the trip. So, And literally, just about every day for the past four or five years since then, I've listened to his music because it's like super relaxing. I listen to it when I travel. Um, and so I've, I was like, 
I went to a friend of mine who can listen to any piano song and he can play it. And I was like, hey man, can you, this is literally four years later. This is uh, last year. Cause I, I made a goal. I'm like, I'm going to learn 10 piano songs. I don't yes. know how, but I'm going to learn them. I don't want to learn easy ones. I want to learn like the songs that I actually want to learn how to play. Um, so I played him the song and he just starts playing it like right away. And I'm like, I need to learn this. So what I do is um, I film his hands playing yeah, and I just, I just slowly mimic what he does and eventually I get it. So I'd say it takes a lot of practice, but I'm, I, I'm a magician. That's what we do. So uh, I can, I know how to practice and uh, I'm willing to like put in the work to do it. So now I, I had a goal to learn 10 songs last year. I learned 13. I'll probably yeah. learn another 10 or 15 this year. Any favorite songs or favorite musicians that inspire you with the piano? Um, I really, his has been my main thing. Most of the songs I learned were, were from him. And again, it's mm-hmm. Mateus Piano Man. And if you look him up, nice. he actually has a TED Talk that he did, a TEDx Talk that he did out of, out of Queenstown. That's so good. And it tells you about his life and how he landed there. He was literally traveling with a piano and he landed in Queenstown. And that was just, he became a staple in Queenstown for many years. Uh, but he just moved away. So, yeah. Wow. But that's the thing. It's like, I was inspired by him. I, he was creating, he created a magic moment for myself and everyone that was there. And ever since he's created magic moments, guys, I've been able to listen to his music. And now it's so meaningful for me to be able to play it. It's not just like a random song I'm playing. It's something that brings back memories of, of New Zealand. So that's awesome. I didn't know that story. And I love that. My wife and I have been to Queenstown and it's such a beautiful city. And yeah. that hike where you can hike up on the hill right behind it and look down on the town and the water. Yeah. We have a huge photograph of that in our one of our bathrooms. Every oh, time I, I see it. it, it brings me right there. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I love the point that you made, Jeff, about and this is a great lesson, I think, for any of us who are listening, mm-hmm. is understanding your own learning style. You know, my guess is many who are listening to this podcast or watching us on the live stream we're the type of people who have skills that we know we need and want to develop to further ourselves towards our goals. And what you just pointed out there, I just don't want that to get overlooked when you said, hey, I learned one way and I was being taught another way. Yeah. And when you say that, I pause and I think to myself, how many people out there are not optimizing their potential only because they just haven't been matching up with the right learning style? Because interestingly, I play the piano. I grew up playing the piano. And I'm more of an auditory person. Mm -hmm. So I learned by just listening to a teacher that I had. Whereas if I tried what you did, it might not work. Yeah, I love that. It's a great point. Yeah. And it's like the first teachers I had, they were teaching me the music that they liked. It wasn't the music that I wanted to learn. Yeah. So now I'm learning the music I want to learn. So I actually care to learn it. So that was too. Um, And then the other part of it is, uh, you know, creating that conspiracy with someone like the guy that taught me, I was... I decided to teach him magic. So he would teach me uh, piano. I would teach him magic. So we were both benefiting from it. And then I got to hang out with him in the process. All right. So let's go back to this magic estate here because yeah. I heard you've got a hypnotist, a dolphin trainer, an attorney, a dog walker. I, I don't know. You a dog walker. <laughs> I mean, what's it like there? Do you wake up and just entertain each other? Well, you don't need TV, right? What goes on? What's a typical day at the magic estate? Why don't estate? you fly in right now and you'll find out because we're doing, <laughs> we're literally having an open <laughs> mic night tonight. So, um, it's different every day. Sometimes it's relaxed. Like we're in and out of town. I'm traveling more than half the year right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm in and out. But every time I come back, I'll, I'll host events and things like that. So, and we have one of the guys does cruise ships. So he'll fly out to cruise ships. We have another guy that speaks. So he'll fly out. Uh, one of the guys left yesterday and uh, he's 
his name's Anton James. He's the my co-founder here. And he, this past year, became the official magician of Salem, Massachusetts. So he wow. literally just flew up to Salem today because um, he's doing a, a run of shows in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, we have, uh, my assistant showed up a little while ago. I saw him walking by a minute ago. And uh, so we'll just be, you know, working on stuff together uh, throughout the day. Um, there's a guy right across the way, he will be doing podcasts for companies. He uh, owns a company called Sweetfish Media. Mm-hmm. And so he'll, he'll do a lot of podcasts out of here. Um, awesome. And so it's, all, it's always different. You never know what's going to be happening here. So what's either the coolest thing about living at the Magic Estate and or is there something that would be most surprising to those of us who are not there every day? in terms of what goes on, either the coolest or most surprising or both or neither or whatever else you want to tell me about. The coolest is just the, when people come here, it's a really, we've created a really comfortable place for people to just come and hang and don't feel like they have to, you know, get wasted to connect with people. Cause again, I went to college and everything revolved around drinking and, and partying and stuff like that. We have parties here, but it's, you'll look around, there'll be a couple of people drinking and everyone else is just connecting on a, on a deeper, on a deeper level about things that they're passionate about. So that's that, cool. Uh, we have 11 uh, doves here too. That's just a random, a random yes. fact. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, yes. So uh, one of the guys is a cruise ship magician. So he'd make doves appear during his, his act and things like that. Um, but yeah, and every, literally every week, like last night, uh, for example, we had, a bunch of magicians here and they were helping another magician with who's doing a lecture tour. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the guys that was here last night, he was literally on Penn and Teller Fool Us two nights ago. So wow. we got 40 magicians together at a place right by here. Um, and we got to watch our friend live on Penn and Teller Fool Us. Yeah. So just wow. like this constant things happening. So yeah. tell me about what kind of learning environment that creates for you being around creative people. Some of you are magicians, but not all of you. you some of you have totally yeah. different crafts that you've mm-hmm. mastered. What's that like? Is there a lot of collaboration? Is there a lot of, do you learn a lot from each other? Even those who don't Absolutely. do it. Tell us about that. Yeah. We, and we all have, we all have different strengths. And the funny thing is a lot of us are, I'm an introvert. A lot of us are actually introverts. So uh, a lot of us do our own thing, but we'll come together at different times and help each other. Or uh, the nice thing is if I have a question about something, I want to run something by someone else, I'll walk down the hall and knock on one of their doors and we just jam for a half hour to an hour. Um, That's awesome. It's a very open place. We're very open with our ideas and a lot of, a lot of magicians, a lot of, a lot of people can be really protective with our, with their ideas, but we're just, we're super open. Um, and you know, it's, it's worked out well so far. Wow, that's so cool! Yeah. One day I want to make it down to the Magic Estate, and we'll uh, see you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there in spirit. Count okay. on that, um, man. That is so cool. You train magicians. In fact, you're yeah. going to Australia coming up soon to train magicians, right? Yes. Yeah, so I, so right when I got out of college, I linked up with the, this magician. His name's Michael Amar. Uh-huh. He's my mentor, one of my mentors, and one of the best teachers ever in magic. Um, he's the reason we moved down to Orlando specifically because that's where he lives. So when I got out of college, he, I, uh, he saw a magic trick that I was trying to promote and he liked it. So he flew me down here to work with him on it. And then I realized that with the skills I had with video production and a few different things, I was able to help him with a few things he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then he asked me to tour the world with him. So right when I got out of college, we did about a 250 city, 13 country tour in two years. And wow. so that threw me right into, I met a lot of magicians through him. I uh, kind of got in his brain for, because a lot of people would pay to do that. And he was actually paying me to do that, which was a 
a crazy thing for me. And through that process, I started developing magic tricks and those magic tricks we would we would do like a couple hour lectures. And so we do like a 25 city tour of Europe was one of the first ones I did. Yeah. And we just go from city to city every day. And we'd meet with groups of anywhere from 10 to 200 magicians, sometimes even more. And we just uh, go over tricks that we came up with and theory and ideas and sell ideas. Um, so this, this whole underground society of magicians that create ideas and, and we share them with each other and, and we're part of that. To me, this is so interesting. Because as an audience member, you, know, you always want to know what's going on. But it, in my mm-hmm. mind, I don't deserve to know. I'm there just to be entertained. And it's magic, right? But if you are a magician, you, know, you said a second ago that there's some magicians that they don't necessarily want to share They're their magi- stuff. Yeah, uh, that's true. And there's magicians, magicians, which is in a way what I am. I'm magicians, magicians, because I teach magicians. You're but magician, at some point, you have, to, you have to learn it. So if someone wants to learn magic, for example, if someone asks me, Hey, can you teach me some magic? I'll I'll test them to see if they're actually interested because a lot of people say they're interested in it and they're not. So yeah. you'll give them a couple of things to learn, and if they actually apply it and, and do it, then you'll let them in further and deeper and deeper. Um, so that's kind of how it works with yeah. Magic. Does anybody run camps for kids? Are oh there- yeah, this this is all that's- kinds of camps. My mentor created a whole thing called Discover Magic, so it helps mm-hmm. magicians around the around the world. Basically, he he gives them the curriculum to be able to run different camps. That's cool. Uh, there's a lot of different, there's Tannen's magic camp up in, uh, up in New York. And there's a whole bunch of them all over the place. There's some up in Canada. And, yeah. Yeah. There's even a college of magic that I've been to in South Africa and Cape town. Uh, wow. Wow. So, and that's uh yeah, uh, there's kids through adults there. Training other magicians. What are one or two of the biggest life lessons that's taught you or just learnings that you've taken away from being a magician's magician, as you call it? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, some of the life lessons from that. That's a tricky one, but, uh, I would say, you know, this, it takes a long time to learn some of these things. And Mm -hmm. one of the messages I say in my talk is, uh, work hard when people aren't watching so that you're the best at whatever you do when they are watching. So a lot of times when you first teach someone a magic trick, the first thing they want to do is run out and show it to someone really quick, even before they practice before they just get so excited about it. But in magic, you learn to like hold that in and wait for the right moment and actually get good at that thing before you go out and perform it. And that translates to anything we do. And, you know, I'm learning piano. So I wait till I'm really good at it to actually go out and do it to people. So um, I think that's a, a huge lesson. And, I'm going to kind of go back to what I speak on because, you know, a lot of people do ask me if I can teach them a magic trick. But what I've realized over years is they don't actually want to learn a magic trick. A lot of times they just want to make the people, learn how to make the people in their lives feel the way that I just made them feel. Give them that same childlike sense of wonder and amazement that they haven't had since they were a kid. So, and that's what I try to teach in my speech. How do you bring that same um, childlike sense of wonder into your experience, into your relationships, into your customer experience, whatever that is. Um, and that's what, that's what I teach. Wow. A couple of things. And I want to come back to that in a second here. Sure. I'd love to go back to how to develop that wonder and how to bring those magic moments to people in our lives. I know you shared those four steps earlier. I'd love for you to give us a couple of things to think about even when we're done listening to this. Like the next person I run into, how could I go create a magic moment? But before you share that, mm-hmm. I just wanted to capture that quote, work hard when people aren't watching. So you're the best at what you do when they are watching. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that, Jeff. I think that it's so great for us to get that reminder, especially from somebody who I know when we watch you, you know how to make things look easier than they are. (laughs) 
Well, it takes a lot of work to get to that point. Yeah. yeah. For yeah. me to be, honestly, even for me to be up on a stage like that, for, I, I'm an introvert. I'm the one that would like to be in the audience or behind the camera, not in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So that's even, that's a learned skill for me. Yeah. Um, and it was really refreshing. One of my mentors, Michael Amar, was one of the guys, like when I started working with him, I would, he was just so good at everything he did. And we would start filming and he would be like a one take wonder. And I was just like, how do you like, I guess he was just like born with that. And then I got to see some of his first videos that he ever put out. And I saw him like not be that good. He was still really good, but he he wasn't that good. And I was like, oh man, I can, this is maybe something I can learn. And then I, that's when you start developing it and, and working hard. So yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Hey, you've mentioned several times in this conversation, the role of mentorship. I mean, it seems like that's been a big deal for you. And a lot of our listeners have heard me talk about this in other episodes where I feel like I've had an unfair advantage in life because I've had not one, but many great mentors. I'd love to hear about your experience of, and any wisdom that you could share with us in attracting, finding, working with, how to be a great mentee, because I think it's not just a one-way thing. Anything you can share on that? I think where I could start with that is a lot of people go into mentorship as if uh, they want to like learn something from this person. They just want to get things out of this person. The way I view it is like, how can I provide so much value to that person that they'll want that I become like invaluable to them and work with them? And that's, that's what I've tried to do in every case. In every case, like I end up learning from them, but I want to like can I give them more value than they're giving me? Mm. So again, it's like a selfless way to look at, at mentorship. Whereas I think a lot of people might think of it the other way. Okay, what can I learn from this person? I just want to learn, learn, learn. But no, what can I, what can I give to that person? Um, that's a big thing. And one of my mentors sent me down one time, Giovanni Lavera, and he's like, he wanted to work with me and, and I was helping him with video production. Uh, and he's like, if you work with me, I'll help you skip 10 years. And that's like, I think the value of mentorship, like, all their mistakes and everything, they're going to be able to help you through. That's why it's important to have mentors. Um, And that's the other thing about giving value. Uh, I try to develop skills that will help the people in front of me. So my mentors, like I developed video production skills, web design, graphic design, all these skills are things that will help not only mentors, but but, uh, anyone. Um, And then the last thing about it is, with the way video is and YouTube and everything, like you can have amazing mentors without actually knowing the person now. Mm, So you can just like watch them online. You can follow them. The amount of content that people put out. I mean, one of the ones that I watch pretty regularly is Brendan Bouchard. Like his, he has so many, like hundreds of videos that you can go in and watch. And he, in a way is a mentor to me because his thought process is ingrained in me because I've watched so much. I love that point that you just made that you started with about creating value. I had someone I approached recently about mentoring me in an isolated project. And she was very quickly to tell me how much she didn't even like the word mentors. And I'm not going to use that because it creates images of inequality. This was her perspective. And, yeah. and I really appreciated the spirit of what she was saying. I didn't care yeah. a whole lot about the label myself, but she said, yeah. no, she goes, look, I'm happy for you to view it that way, but we're here to learn from each other. And I've done this on accident. I wish I could say I've done it on purpose. But one of the things I've done on accident is a guy named David Cooperwriter, who's my great mentor, who created the method. And by the way, he gave it away to the world. Everyone told him to protect it and he gave it away, which is a whole other story. Mm -hmm. But he created a method that we now use. And what's really cool is we found a way to help him further his mission in his life and his profession. So there's this reciprocity. 
that is exactly what you just expressed. And I like that because so many people think about finding a coach or a mentor and assuming that it's a one-way relationship. And I think the point that you're making that I'm attempting to magnify is that it's actually easier to attract quality mentors and I think retain and strengthen those relationships when it's viewed the way you just mentioned, yeah. where it's about what value am I creating with or That's for with, any, with anything you do, like what value am yeah. I creating? That's awesome. Hey, tell us about, you've got a challenge, the 52-5 challenge. Yeah. And I heard a little bit about this, but as soon as I heard a little bit about it, I thought this is exactly the kind of thing that this community would really enjoy. So tell us about it. Sure. Um, so I called the 52-5 challenge. Basically, it's uh, you get sent a challenge every week for a year. And the challenges are about five minutes, less than five minutes. And the challenges are meant to help you love the people in your life better, to create magic moments, to reconnect you or connect you deeper with the people in your life. And again, they're simple missions. They're all based on what I talk about. So when you see me speak, a lot of my speech is the theory behind things. I give a few practical examples, but this is literally like my speech, but in practical examples, you're going to, you're going to do, do this thing right now. You know, mm-hmm. it'll take you five minutes and I, it'll make every relationship in your life better. And that's what it's about. Like 52 weeks to make every single relationship in your life better. Could you give us a couple examples of maybe something that someone could go do as soon as they're done listening? Here? Yeah, you can do something literally right now. Uh, think of, take out your phone and think of someone you haven't talked to in a while. Mm. I'm going to do this. Okay. And now think of someone you haven't talked to in a while. Um, think of a memory you had with that person that would make them laugh. Like maybe it's an inside joke or something. All right. I got and it. Text them, literally text them, whatever the inside joke is. And if, or if you have a photo, something like that. So that would be a simple mission. But, and, and now think of this, like we go through life and random memories pop into our minds. When that happens, share that with the person that you're thinking about. Don't just keep that in. Like when you share that with that person. And it can be just like this. If a random inside joke pops into your mind about someone, send them the message. Like that will, I guarantee it will make their day. One little moment. And that's not even five minutes. That's like, that's literally the first challenge of the 52 week challenge right there. It's nice. That. And a lot of times when I speak, people are like, oh, I, I don't have time to, how do you have time to create all these magic moments? It's really about little tiny things that make a big difference. Like it's not these over, once in a while you should, yeah. Once in a while you should do like some huge thing for someone. Uh, but I think it's really in those small moments. Um, and it's something as simple as sending someone a, a quick text that reminds them of something awesome that happened in their life. I just sent the text to somebody uh, who I appreciate who I've not spoken with for a while. Or it can be a, a mentor that you have just, or something you've seen in someone, just like send them whatever that thing is that you saw in them. Like people will feel appreciated by doing that. And we don't do it enough. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What a great reminder. Yeah, I did that the other day. I was in the car with, the McCarthy's, Mike and Lindsay McCarthy. And yeah. we either had just gone on a hike in the mountains in Colorado or we were about to. And it actually triggered my memory of a buddy of mine, Adam, who mm-hmm. I used to do a lot of hiking with 10, 15 years ago. So we did that. I called him and I left a voicemail just telling him, hey, I'm thinking about you. And it made me feel really good. <laughs> and that's what it does. It does make yeah. you feel good. And it brings more of that memory into you and more joy. So yeah, that's not why you do it. You do it to make their day, but it always, it always comes back in different ways. Has your work brought you into, or have you studied or been influenced by any of the teachers in the positive psychology field? Just curious if you've stumbled across any correlations. Because um, we spend a lot of time with some of those pioneers. And there's so much that you're talking about that there's now an um, undeniable 
empirical body of evidence that proves the things that you teach in a scientific way are transformational for people. Yeah, I actually used to hate reading books. I used to hate <laughs> reading books and it was, it was like with piano, like, because I was given books that I didn't really want to read. And then, so when I got to college, I realized that I actually love like motivational self-help kind of books. And that's something we never read younger. Mm -hmm. So I started reading a lot of different books and listened to a lot of things. So yeah, there are a handful of people, you know, Tony Robbins and a handful of those uh, awesome guys that I've learned a lot from over the years and just keeping in that positive mindset. Um, So yeah, I'm sure a lot of that, there's a lot of overlap within that. Yeah, there's a great book that summarizes the latest research from the field of positive psychology. And the name of the book is called Positivity. Mm-hmm. And uh, Barbara Fredrickson, who's considered one of the three leading, if not pioneers, she's really the leading thought leader in the positive psychology field, which is a huge deal. She was at an event of ours about a month ago, and she shared her latest research. And one of the things that she shared is that, and it's exactly what you're talking about. She shared that, and she uses a label. She calls them micro moments of positive resonance. Micro moments, that's her technical scientific term, micro moments of positive resonance. And Jeff, one of the things she showed us was MRI imaging of people's brains, actually even of their whole bodies during these micro moments of positivity, which everything you're talking about is all about that. And it's the first time we've ever understood this. But one of the things that they are discovering is that these micro moments, when I create a micro moment with another person, And it's all the things you would think can create a micro moment, right? That put us in some sort of positive state, even if just for a second. One of the things that they're now realizing, they've known for a while that it changes us biochemically. It actually improves our health in real time. We've known that. But what we did not know that we now know more than ever before is that when we create these micro moments, positive feeling that you and I have towards each other will last well beyond just that micro moment. And they're now noticing that in some cases, it's permanent. It permanently changes how we feel about each other, even if we had something that happened just for a second. And I love that. they're actually finding ways to measure this. They have mathematicians finding ways to measure these things. And what we've also known for a long time is that when people are in a positive state of mind, they're more creative, they're smarter, they're mm-hmm. more resilient, they're better at building relationships. So, yeah. And then the tough thing about that is like, yeah for people like sometimes it's hard for us to come up with what can I do in those moments. And that's what, that's why I've created the 52 five challenge to give you applicable things you can do. So I've taken a lot of the creativity out of it for you and it'll still be customized to the people in your life. But that's a, that's the hard part. And the more you do it, the more you get better at it. And that's the other thing. Like the more you create these little moments, the, the better you get at it and the more creative you get. Yeah, that's awesome. That yeah. is really, really cool. It, where do people go to find out about this challenge? Is there a website? or? Yeah, uh, it's my website, jefftaylor.com okay, slash 525. So dot com slash 525. Now tell us, what is the 525? Is that a unique code for this conversation? Yeah, so 52 weeks, five minutes a week. Okay, there you five go. 52 right, slash cool. five, really. Yeah. All right, sweet. That's awesome. I'd encourage everyone to go check that out. Jeff, uh, I have to know, absolute favorite trick to do and big trick that you're working on. Oh, man. If you're allowed to tell us. I don't know. Maybe this could, that could violate wow. the code, That's right? A, a lot of times it depends on the situation, which is my favorite to do. Yeah. Um, but uh, let me think. I, one of the ones I really love right now is just bending coins in people's hands. You borrow a coin, people sign it, you put it in their hand and that just bends in their hand. So that's one of the ones I just 
I absolutely love. <laughs> Is there any way we can accomplish that virtually over this? <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to break all the equipment in your where you are. Oh my! Can you troubleshoot <laughs> IT from it? So you the coin bends in their hand. Yes, and then I take it out of their hand. Then you can visibly see it just start to bend. Oh, that's okay. All right. All right. Am I allowed to request that for the best year ever event this I year? I will. I promise you I will do that when I come nice. to best year ever. All right. I'll bring all my coins. I'll bring my whole collection. Love it. And how about big tricks that you're working on? The main stuff I'm working on is is the creative magic moment stuff. It's a, It's showing people that they can do this in their own lives. And that's where I think I knew at some point I was going to shift from magic to to real life experiences and use that experience from magic in real life. And that's what it is. So that is kind of the main thing for me right now that I'm concentrating on. Yeah, that's really cool. And I'd love to have you also speak to this, Jeff, because you and I were talking about this earlier, that Mm -hmm. you're brought into corporations of all types. Even it's crazy about your story that you were brought into Disney to teach them about creating an experience. They're like the pinnacle benchmark about creating experiences. But for many of our listeners who are professionals or entrepreneurs, what could you say to us about how we can maybe rethink either how important it is or how to really elevate that customer experience, what you're talking about here? Sure. I mean, I think just the first point that I talk about is just the magic moment mindsets. Again, being others focused and realizing that our businesses, people want a personal experience. They want to know that you care about them. Um, and so in that, if something maybe goes wrong, like that is an opportunity, like um, see opportunities in the patterns in your business and also see opportunities in the negative experiences. Cause we can take a negative experience and just let it be that it can be a negative experience, or you can take that and turn it on its head and turn that into the best part of an experience or mm-hmm. turn that into something that the people talk about. I, I recently, Someone did not like one of my our products that's on our website. Personally, I love the product. It's a friend of mine. We flew him in here to work on it. The person didn't like it. And they sent this nasty email that was like, hey, I love all your products. This one, I don't know why you guys put it out. I was like, and so I, res- I could have responded, hey, we love this product. You're wrong. But <laughs> instead, I said, you know what? We love this product. Here are the reasons why. Uh, this is why we did it. But tell you what, pick anything on our website. doesn't matter what it is. And I'll send it to you free of charge. And he sent an email back saying, just because you sent that email, I will continue buying things from you. You don't have to send me anything. And then I said, send me your address anyway, because I'm going to send you something. So, and that's one way to live in in the way that I teach, I guess. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Great example. I appreciate that. Jeff, Mm -hmm. is there anything that we haven't talked about? One of my favorite questions is, is there anything else that you'd love to share with our audience in inspiring them as they're on their own journey to achieve their goals, to create their own magical moments, to be excellent at what they do. Anything that comes to mind to leave us with? Just have fun and and be more focused on the people in front of you than you are on yourself. Mm, that's awesome. That's that's what it comes down to. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, what's interesting is I'm a parent of three kids. Yes. And it's really easy for things to feel complicated or challenging as a parent. Mm-hmm. And yet what you just said, have fun and focus on others. That's basically all the advice that I need to stick with as a parent. <laughs> yeah, and, and play again. I'll give you a little thing as a parent. Please, uh, please do. So yeah. I, was at a, I was at a cookout and there were a lot of adults there and there were a lot of kids and the kids kind of knew each other, but they hadn't hung out in a while. So, you know, when ki- how kids mm-hmm. get, they, 
they have trouble like they need that to be broken in order to talk to each other. They need something to happen. So I'm walking around and I see this happening. I'm just focused again, more on the people around me than I was on what I was doing. And I knew that one of these girls wanted to hang out with these two sisters over here. So I just like, when they were really close to each other, I just ran over and I tagged one of the girls and I go, you're it. And I just started running around and literally within 10 seconds, every kid at that place was chasing me around. And then we just started playing tag. And for the rest of the day, they were all playing together. And all it took was that one little moment. And for me, like, again, I'm an introvert. So to do something like that is like, it took a little like, oh, I got to do this. But it, but it's worth it for, for you to do that sometimes. Um, and then you get to be the fun adult that's running around with all the kids. Yeah. That's so again, so cool. it's just play. Like, get in that kid's head. Like, what do they need? Like, play with that kid. <laughs> Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. Do you do birthday parties, Jeff? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Funny. (laughs) Hey, for a price, I'm sure we can get you to a birthday party. Sure, yeah. You know, Brother James, our musician friend, he came out to play for my oldest son. His name's Ace. When Ace turned six, we rented this uh, community room near our house. And my wife is very social. And um, anyone who knows my wife already knows where the story is going. She announced his birthday party about a week before. We had Brother James, the musician, coming to play. Mm-hmm. And we had 125 people at this six-year-old birthday party. So I'm only imagining how many people she could rope in when one day we hire Jeff Kaler to come. <laughs> That's party. funny. Actually, I was with Brother James at the uh, Fambundance, uh, Fambundance yeah. One Life, and yeah. we might have been working on some magic together. Yeah, I love it. Well, hey, maybe you guys do a little combo thing at the Best You Ever Blueprint we were, event. Okay, well, we were we were kind of talking about something like that. So maybe we can get that going again. We'll have to nice. get, him, get to the Magic Estate to start working on some stuff. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, it gets me so happy just imagining yeah. you and Brother James working together. Yeah, Jeff, I just want to say this is awesome. It's so Thank fun you. to just chat with you. And you crushed it at our Best You Ever Blueprint event last year. This year, November 17, 18, 19, we're at the Manchester Grand Hyatt in sunny San Diego, California. The event will sell out. I see tickets being bought every day right now. It's sold out the last three years. And um, anyone who's listening, if you've joined us, we'd love to have you back. If you've never been, uh, you got to come hang out with us. You'll be hanging out with Jeff. And Hal will be there this year. It's going to be awesome. Jeff, thank you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on here. Yeah. All right. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.